real big to the folks who are around you. If you're streaming online, then shout hallelujah to the person next to you, uh, wherever you may be watching, and you can have a seat. We're excited uh, to join God uh, together again in worship of him. Isaiah the prophet wrote years ago in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. God's word is good, reliable, trustworthy, and true every day in every way. We can lean in on the truth of God's word. We can rest in the truth of God's word. God uses his word to grow us in our faith. God uses his word to renew our minds according to his truth. God uses his word to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. Therefore, as we study God's word together this morning, we can say with excitement, go, God, go. Say that with me. Go, God, go. Grow me, renew me, transform me, God, by the truth of your word. Open your Bibles with me to the New Testament book of Galatians. We are continuing in our new sermon series through Galatians titled Faith and Freedom and Family. Faith, freedom, and family. We are looking at this amazing book of Galatians as we make our way through studying this book. God is going to continue teaching us about this amazing study of truth for our lives. Now, we are setting the scene and the background to our study of Galatians in these first couple of weeks. We know the context of Galatians helps us to understand the content in Galatians. And so we're setting the scene and background to our study last Sunday, and this morning we'll continue setting the scene as we make our way into the first few verses in Galatians chapter 1. We know the author is Paul. Paul is the author of Galatians. He made this clear to us in the first word of the first verse of the first chapter. Paul wrote in Galatians 1, 1, Paul an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Paul uh, is the author here. He wasted no time in letting us know this. Paul was an apostle of God. That means Paul was sent out by God with a commission from God to preach, teach, and share the good news of the gospel. Notice Paul defended his apostleship because Paul's apostleship was being questioned and undermined and attacked by the false teachers. Paul wasted no time in refuting the false teachers. Paul wasted no time here in verse 1 of declaring and defending his apostleship. Paul said, my authority, my message, and my ministry is from God, not man. Paul wasted no time in reminding the believers in Galatea of the truth of God's word. One of our takeaways from this very first verse is the reality of spiritual warfare. Paul faced it years ago and we face it today. Spiritual warfare shouldn't surprise, discourage, or defeat us. Spiritual warfare should remind us 
to depend on Jesus. Spiritual warfare should remind us to focus on Jesus. Spiritual warfare should remind us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Spiritual warfare should remind us to trust in Jesus. Spiritual warfare should remind us our victory is in Christ Jesus. And so we see the author is Paul. The recipients of this letter were the churches in Galatea. Look in verse 2. And all the brothers who were with me, Paul wrote to the churches of Galatea. Paul wrote this letter to the believers in the churches in the southern part of Galatea, to the believers in the churches of Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. These were the churches that Paul and Barnabas planted during their first missionary journey. Now, a quick note about these believers. These churches were full of believers who were young in their faith. They were new to their faith in God through Christ Jesus. They were growing in their faith in God. They were growing in their love for God. And they were also growing in their understanding of what it meant to be part of the church, ecclesia, what it meant to be the called out ones in Christ Jesus. They were actually learning what it meant to love their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. They were learning how to do church, to do life together. And these believers were susceptible to the dangers of false teachers. They were susceptible to the false teachers that had infiltrated their ranks. Paul was concerned for the believers in these churches. Paul loved the believers in these churches. Paul wanted to protect the believers in these churches. Paul spoke God's truth to the believers in these churches. For us today, this is a great reminder, one of the best things we can do for one another is to speak God's truth to one another. One of the best things that we can do for each other is to speak God's truth to one another. Now, secondly, we know the recipients of this letter of Galatians include you and me today. God's truth in Galatians is for us today. God's going to speak to us. He's going to speak to us this very morning, and he's going to continuous change work in us of making us more like Jesus. The third point we are focused in on is that the date of the writing is around A.D. 48 to 50. Most Bible scholars agree with this time frame uh, in regards to the date when Paul actually wrote this letter uh, to the believers in the churches in Galatea. We know Paul wrote this letter to these believers after he and Barnabas had finished their first missionary journey, after they had returned home to Antioch. Therefore, we know Paul wrote Galatians from Antioch. There in the town, there with the believers who sent them out on the missionary journey to begin with. Paul's letter was in response to the false teaching of the false teachers who preyed on the believers in the churches in southern Galatea once Paul and Barnabas left. Paul and Barnabas went through on their first missionary journey. They planted the churches. They appointed elders. They were ministering in the churches. And then they left and finished their journey and went back to Antioch. And that's when the false teachers came in and began teaching their false teaching and, and messages to these believers. We also know the theme. The theme of Galatians is salvation by God's grace through faith in Jesus. 
salvation by God's grace through faith in Jesus. You see what was happening? The false teachers came and infiltrated these churches, and they began teaching salvation by faith in Jesus plus works. We'll see this as we make our way through this study. The false teachers wanted the Gentile converts to become Jews, basically. They wanted them to become Jewish proselytes in order to be considered true Christians. The false teachers wanted to make circumcision and obedience to the Old Testament law a requirement for all the Gentile converts in order to be considered Christians, in order to be considered members of the church in Galatea in order to be considered followers of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is going to touch on this throughout this letter. If you look at chapter 2 and verse 4, we'll see briefly, Paul mentions this already at the beginning of chapter 2. He said, This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. What he was saying was these false teachers had infiltrated the church and they were spying on the freedom in Christ, salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, and they were trying to enslave them by requiring works, by requiring circumcision and obedience to the Old Testament law. And so we see Paul met this false teaching head on with power, with passion, and with God's truth. Paul also emphasized our faith in Jesus, our freedom in Jesus, and our family in Jesus as he defended the good news of the gospel. Leon Morris, the late New Testament Bible scholar and author, he said this about Galatians. Galatians is a passionate letter. The outpouring of the soul of a preacher on fire for his Lord and deeply committed to bringing his hearers to an understanding of what saving faith is. I love that brief summary of Galatians. So let's continue. The fifth point we see is the greeting. The greeting is grace and peace. Grace and peace. Look in verse 3. Paul wrote, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now first, let's make this point. Paul's greeting to the believers in the churches in southern Galatea was similar in ways to Paul's greetings to uh, the believers in the other churches in his writings of Romans, of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonica, Titus, and Philemon. Paul added mercy to his greeting of grace and peace in his letters to Timothy. And so we see this greeting is similar. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how this greeting was different than his other writings. But we see some similarity here at the beginning of this greeting. I want us to focus on two points as we look at verse 3. Two points. Number one is the order of Paul's greeting is right. Grace, then peace. Grace to you and peace. The order of Paul's greeting is right. Grace, then peace. We do not deserve grace and peace. We do not earn or merit grace and peace. We receive grace and peace from God 
in Christ Jesus. Grace is the undeserved, unearned favor of God lavished on us in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. Grace is the undeserved, unearned favor of God lavished on us in Christ Jesus. We did nothing to deserve or earn God's grace. We did nothing to deserve or earn God's peace. We did nothing to deserve or earn God's salvation. You see, Scripture reminds us that we were once dead in our sins and transgressions. We were separated from God because of our sin against God. We had no way of getting rid of our sin and getting to God on our own. We were helpless and hopeless without God in this world. We deserved God's holy wrath and punishment for our sin against God. We deserved eternal separation from God in hell because of our sin against God. But God, say that with me out loud, but God, say it again, but God, rich in mercy, poured out his grace on us in Christ Jesus. We see this here in this greeting. We also see it in Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to your right to Ephesians chapter 2. It's probably just a couple of pages real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, we see this grace in action, and we know that God, rich in mercy, poured his grace out on us, his love out on us in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Look in verses 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. God's grace is called amazing. We sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God's grace is called amazing because God's grace is amazing. God's grace is amazing. God showed his amazing grace to us when he sent Jesus to earth to rescue us from our sins. God showed his amazing grace to us by forgiving our sins by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. God showed his amazing grace to us by drawing us into a relationship with him by our response of faith in Jesus. God shows his amazing grace to us every day by helping us, encouraging us, empowering us, and guiding us to live his way. And it's important to note the order is right. The grace of God allows us to experience peace with God. Once we receive God's grace by faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. And we are filled with the peace of God. As Paul said in Romans 5 and verse 1, Therefore, since you've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, since you have been declared righteous, since you've been declared righteous by faith, since God has saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, since God has declared us right with him in Christ Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So grace is the undeserved, unearned favor of God lavished on us in Christ Jesus. Peace is the calm and well-being we have 
from knowing everything is right between us and God by faith in Christ Jesus. Peace is the inner calm and well-being we have from knowing everything is right with us and God by faith in Christ Jesus. You see, once we receive the grace of God, we have peace with God, we're filled with the peace of God, we understand and realize that we are no longer enemies of God due to our sin against God. We are no longer at war with God due to our sin against God. No, we are children of God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. And so as children of God, we are filled with the peace of God, which in part stems from the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in us, producing the fruit of the Spirit of peace in us. It also stems from our understanding of the Word of God. As followers of Jesus Christ who receive God's grace, who are filled with God's peace, we know this word is true. That means we know the promises in this word are true. That means we know as followers of Jesus Christ, God is with us. God loves us. God is watching over us. God is working in us and through us and around us. And these promises from God's word, as well as the thousands of other promises from God's word, Fill us with God's peace. Fill us with God's peace. And Paul said to the believers in Philippi, the peace of God transcends all our understanding. It surpasses all of our knowledge. And the peace of God guards our hearts and minds in Jesus so that we can live for Jesus. You see, once we receive God's grace, we know that we are his kids. He's our father. We are his and that fills us with peace. From that point, we know everything is okay between us and God. We know nothing outside, nothing or no one can harm us or separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. And this peace that is internal, it fills us up and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it gives us the confidence, the faith, the courage that we need to continue living for Jesus day by day. That's what it did with Paul. That's what Paul was encouraging these believers. Even in the face of spiritual warfare, Paul was filled with God's grace and peace. The first point is the order of Paul's greeting is right. The second point is the source of Paul's greeting is right. The order of Paul's greeting is right, grace then peace. The source of Paul's greeting is right. If you look in verse 3, he said, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The source of grace and peace is God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We know God is the giver of all good gifts. As James told us, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. So we know that God is the ultimate gift giver. God is the greatest giver Ever. And we know and understand this. And so Paul reminds us, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ refers to the authority of Jesus as our Lord, the help of Jesus to save us, and the anointing on Jesus by God the Father to be our Savior and Lord. And so we see here in a beautiful picture here in this verse, in verse 3, in the greeting. Can you imagine? This is in the greeting. Just imagine what's going to happen when we get into the meat of this letter. This is just in Paul's hello. This is amazing. And so we see this truth pouring out of Paul. And we see here in verse 3 already, 
in this greeting, we see a beautiful picture of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. I love what one Bible scholar said. He said this, grace comes from God, is mediated through his son Jesus, and made effective by his Holy Spirit. Grace comes from God, is mediated through his son Jesus, and made effective by the work of his Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit produces this peace in us and fills us with God's grace. And so we see the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in our lives through grace and peace. And I also want you to take note, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Paul's greeting of grace and peace, and we'll talk about this more later. Paul's greeting of grace and peace was a rebuke of the false teacher's message of salvation by works. Paul's greeting in verse 3, Paul's greeting was a rebuke of the false teacher's message of salvation by works. In this greeting, you're going to see several things happening. Paul is declaring God's truth. Paul is greeting these believers. Paul is loving them. But Paul is also already in verses 1 and following, he's already working effectively and speaking against the false teachers and their false teaching. And so we see this greeting continue. Verse 4, look at verse 4. Paul said in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 4, Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. All right, so take note right here. He's continuing to pour just amazing truth into our lives. Jesus Christ willingly, obediently, and lovingly gave himself for us. Lord Jesus Christ, he said, who gave himself to rescue us. So we know Jesus willingly, lovingly, obediently gave himself for us on the cross of Calvary. And we know that Jesus gave himself for us to rescue us. The purpose of the sacrifice of Jesus was to rescue us. Rescue means to deliver us. It means to liberate us. It means to set us free or to save us. Paul told us, Jesus gave himself for us to rescue us from this present evil age. This present evil age is defined as the world which is living in opposition to God and rebellion against God. This godless present evil age is under the influence, the sway, the control of Satan, the evil one. So Jesus gave himself for us on the cross. The purpose of the sacrifice of Jesus was to rescue, to deliver, to liberate us from this present evil age under control of Satan, the evil one. You see, Jesus rescued us from the power of sin and our bondage to it. Jesus rescued us from the power of sin and our bondage to it. Remember, we were once dead in our sins and transgressions. He rescued us from the power of sin and our bondage to it. But secondly, Jesus rescued us from the penalty of sin and eternal separation from God in hell. He didn't just rescue us from the power of sin and freed us in Christ Jesus. He also rescued us from the penalty of sin. We have been transferred from darkness to light, from death to life in Christ Jesus. And so we can rejoice in saying this morning, Jesus was our substitute. In verse 4, the big sign that's shining forth says, Jesus was our substitute. Jesus 
is our substitute. Jesus took our place on the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid the price to rescue us from our sins. The price Jesus paid was his life. Jesus gave himself for us. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus lived a perfect life. He satisfied God's demand for a perfect and holy sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect and unholy could be made right with a perfect and holy God. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died on the cross in our place, paying the price for our sin. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. As Paul told us in Colossians chapter 1, God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him, in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We are right with God by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And so we understand and realize What Paul is saying here in this greeting is an amazing testimony of the gospel. It's the truth of God's word. And what he wants us to understand is no amount of good works can compare with the sacrifice of Jesus. No amount of good works could come close to equaling the sacrifice of Jesus. A belief in salvation by works is an affront to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We receive forgiveness of sins, and we enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Here's Paul's point that he's making here in this amazing greeting. God alone is mighty to save. Amen? God alone is mighty to save. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. We have new life, abundant life, eternal life with God by faith in Jesus. We are free in Jesus to live for Jesus. And so we see this beautiful picture of truth unfolding before our very eyes. This declaration of truth, while at the same time as Paul is declaring God's truth, he is also refuting the false teacher's message. And he then continues and tells us in verse 4, as he finishes verse 4, the cross was on purpose. Look at what he says in verse 4. He says, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. According to the will of God, of our Father, God and Father. According to the will of our God and Father. What is he saying is this. The cross was was not a surprise, an accident, or a mistake. The cross of Christ was not a surprise. It wasn't an accident or a mistake. The cross was the divine, intentional will and plan of God our Father. Galatians chapter 4. If you look in Galatians chapter 4 real quick, look at verses 4 and 5. Paul talked about this. We'll get to this later. But he said in verse 4 of chapter 4, When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent his spirit of our son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We see here that God has saved us 
by his grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. And that was a part of his intentional will and plan for our lives. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, Paul said, For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be homeless and blameless and hopeful and blameless and love before him. And so we see this, that God's will was for his son to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins. Jesus himself said, I came to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus, praying in the garden of Gethsemane, prayed, Father, it would be possible, take this cup from me, but not my will. Your will be done, God. Your will be done. The cross was the intentional, purposeful will of God the Father. For his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to rescue us from our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We are sons and daughters of God by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We have received every spiritual blessing from God by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We have every blessing in Christ Jesus. And so we see Paul sharing these truths, pouring these truths in simply the greeting to these believers and to you and me. And then he summarizes and ends this greeting in an amazing way in verse 5. Look at what he says in verse 5. He said in verse 4, Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God, of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's Paul's point. Since God is the source of grace and peace, God gets the glory for grace and peace. Since God is the source of grace and peace, God gets the glory for grace and peace. Glory literally means to give a proper opinion or estimate of someone or something. Glory means to give a proper opinion or estimate of someone or something. Glory is the adoration, the admiration, the honor, and the praise given to someone or something who is worthy. It's the admiration. It's the adoration. It's the honor. It's the praise. It's the worship that is given to someone who is worthy. Our God is worthy of all of our glory, honor, and praise. As John said in the book of Revelation, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive honor and glory and blessings. Here's the point. Grace is from God, so God gets the glory. Forgiveness is from God, so God gets the glory. Love is from God, so God gets the glory. Peace is from God, so God gets the glory. Mercy is from God, so God gets the glory. Salvation is from God, so God gets the glory. To God be the glory for the great things he has done. To God be the glory for the great things he is doing. To God be the glory for the great things he is yet to do. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's what Paul's saying here. Just in this greeting, to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, as followers of Jesus Christ, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we're to do it all for the glory of God. Now follow me. This is going to come into clear focus. Verse 5 is another rebuke from Paul 
to the false teachers and their false teaching. Here's how. The false teachers were guilty of robbing God of his glory. The false teachers were robbing God of his glory. They were teaching and preaching salvation by works because if salvation is by works, then they get the glory. If salvation is by our works, then we get the glory. If we could work our way to God, then we would get the glory. If we could earn our way to God through our works, then we would boast in and of ourselves. Paul taught, for by grace are you saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, what? So that no one can boast. Paul said salvation is by God's grace, therefore God gets all the glory. God gets the glory. The only thing we can boast in is that we know the Lord. That's it. The only thing we can ever boast in is that we know the Lord. And so we see this truth pouring in to our hearts and our minds, flooding our minds this morning. So here's a takeaway from the greeting. Here's one of our many takeaways from this greeting. Let me just give you this one takeaway from this greeting. And I share this in love with you as my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It's a warning, and here's the warning. Be careful of boasting. Be careful of boasting. God has warned us in his word over and over again about the dangers of pride, of boasting in ourselves, of thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Now, I would say for the most part, as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't boast much about our salvation. Because I think for the most part, we understand that our salvation is from God. And so we even understand that to boast about our salvation really wouldn't make much sense. And uh, so we don't boast much about that. But here's what we do have a tendency to boast about as followers of Jesus Christ. We have a tendency, it's a great temptation for us as followers of Jesus Christ to boast about our sanctification, about our spiritual growth, about how much we know, about what all we're doing, about where are we going, about who we are, and what we have the opportunities to do, and how we're doing all the things that we're doing. Let me just encourage you, social media is a huge temptation for followers of Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you, be careful of boasting while posting. Be very careful of boasting while posting. Remember what Jesus said. If you remember what Jesus said, I promise you it'll bring you to your knees. Jesus said, be careful. He said, be careful not to practice your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus said when you give and when you pray and when you fast, when you do your acts of righteousness, 
get alone with the Father. Do it for his honor and glory. Do it for his reward. Do it in secret because, you see, God knows us, God sees us, and God rewards us. He said, if you're going to do your acts of righteousness and all that you're doing, and you want to do that in front of others to be seen by them, then you'll achieve your goal. You'll receive the reward and praise of people, but you'll have nothing in regards to a reward and praise from the Father God in heaven. And we all know God's reward is a whole lot better than people's reward. You see, Paul's greeting is just amazing. It was a rebuke of the false teachers. It was a re rebuke of the false teachers' false teaching. Paul's greeting was a declaration of truth about God's salvation. Paul's greeting was a reminder to the believers in the churches in Galatea and us today to focus on God and the truth of his word. You see, grace and peace are gifts from God to us by faith in Jesus. Grace and peace remind us of our blessings in Jesus. Grace and peace remind us of our change in Jesus. Grace and peace remind us of our forgiveness in Jesus. Grace and peace remind us of our love from Jesus. Grace and peace remind us of our new life in Jesus. Grace and peace remind us of our victory in Jesus. But let me also share with you, grace and peace remind us of our unity in Jesus. Unity in Jesus was so important for the believers in these churches in Galatea because one of the greatest challenges in these churches, and we'll see this throughout this letter, was the Jews and Gentiles coming together and learning how to live with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It's a great challenge for these Jews and Gentiles to realize that they were family in Jesus and this is after years and years and years and hundreds of years of hatred of one another. And now, they're called the church. They're the, they're the called out ones in Christ Jesus. You see, grace and peace united Jews and Gentiles as one in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul was saying. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Because there is no other explanation for us to be able to know God personally than through God's gift of salvation to us in Christ Jesus. And there's no other way to explain Jews and Gentiles coming together as family other than God and his work in their lives in Christ Jesus. And you know, the times haven't changed much. Unity in Jesus is still important for us today. Unity in Jesus is important for us you see, grace and peace unites us together as family in Jesus. Grace and peace unites us together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Therefore, whether we're young or old, male or female, rich or poor, black, brown or white, we are one together in Christ Jesus. 
We are family in Christ Jesus. And to God be the glory for the great things he is doing. To God be the glory for the great things he has done. To God be the glory for the great things he is yet to do. That's what Paul was talking about. Grace and peace declares the glory of God in your life and in my life. So what is our application this morning? Real quick, our application is simple. Number one, I must receive God's grace and peace. We must receive God's grace and peace by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Whether you're here in person or streaming online, listen, the gospel has been presented. You need to receive God's gift of grace and peace by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And listen, once we receive God's grace and peace, it's vitally important for us, once we receive this grace and peace, to embrace God's grace and peace, to enjoy God's grace and peace, to rejoice in God's grace and peace and all that means for us in Christ Jesus. Second application point, I must show God's grace and peace. We need to show God's grace and peace to those around us in the way in which we love others, in the way in which we care about others, in the way in which we minister to others, in the way in which we speak to others. We need to show God's grace and peace to all those God places around us. Freely we have received God's grace and peace. Freely we are to show God's grace and peace. And the third application point is I must tell others about God's grace and peace. We must tell others about the grace and peace of God that is available in Christ Jesus. Listen, we must tell those who are still a part of this present evil age about the grace and peace that is available to them by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. This is our part as being the evangelists, the witnesses for Jesus Christ. We must tell those who do not yet have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus about the grace and peace that is available to them in Christ Jesus. But secondly, we need to tell our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus about God's grace and peace because in sharing these truths, it reminds us that we're one together in Christ Jesus. It reminds us that God desires us to live free in Jesus, full of faith in Jesus, within our family through Christ Jesus. What an opportunity for us to bring glory to God by receiving, by showing, and by sharing the grace and peace that is ours from God in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. If you're streaming online, let me ask you to just bow in prayer right there where you may be seated in your home, Wherever, wherever you may be, God is speaking to us. And let me just encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to just spend time rejoicing in God's grace and peace. Spend time embracing it. Spend time enjoying it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you've received his grace and peace. So rejoice in it. Embrace it. Maybe you need to spend time asking God to forgive you of of taking his grace and peace for granted. Maybe God's brought some folks to your mind that you want to, to remind and to encourage as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus about the grace and peace of God at work in their lives. And then for those who have yet to receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, let me encourage you to receive God's grace and peace by placing your faith in Jesus. 
Jesus is the only way to a relationship with God. He took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin. He gave himself for us, as Paul said. And so we know that Jesus is our Savior and Lord. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in our place. He was buried in the tomb, and he rose again on the third day. He's alive today and wants a relationship with you. And you can receive that relationship from God. You can respond to his grace at work in your life right now by repenting of your sin. That simply means to turn from living your way to admit that you want to live God's way and to confess your sins and then just simply to tell God you want Jesus to save you, to come into your life and to change you forever. And God will answer your prayer. He will save you. By his grace at work in your life, even now, that you're hearing these words of truth spoken over you through your response of faith and trust in Christ Jesus. What a great day to say yes to Jesus Christ. Our worship team is going to lead in this song of response to God, and we're going to stand in just a moment. And I want to encourage you to continue spending time with the Father, responding by faith and obedience to him and continuing to offer your words of praise to him. Let's stand.